0: Welcome, everyone, to this month's Zojo Talk podcast. I am Paul Lefevre, the Zojo developer evangelist. And for this month, my special guests are the two guys at iCal Systems. I have here Arthur Couture and Tom Ruprecht. Arthur, welcome.
1: Hi, Paul. How are you today? I hope you're staying warm up there in Maine.
0: Well, that's always the trick, isn't it? And Tom, welcome to you as well.
1: Thanks. Thanks. good to be here
2: in podcast land.
0: Yes, podcast land is fun land to be in. All right, well, uh, let's just jump right in. I know we got a lot to talk about today. So uh, why don't you, Arthur, you give a, a little bit of an intro about iCal Systems and what you guys do.
1: Okay, well, it's feeling like I'm an old man now. We've been at this for 22 years. We got started way back when in 1993 and basically developed an early business doing system support and building bridging applications for companies and have done all kinds of crazy things over the time period. Uh, everything from installing phone systems to writing check reissuance systems. And even as a gag, our names, the first, the I in ICAL stands for international, which we had never really planned to do. And as it turns out, our very first customer was a Swiss national. So it actually became international and has been that way ever since. So it's
0: been an interesting ride. <laughs> so ICAL doesn't actually stand for anything at this point.
1: Well, it does. And I suppose we can put it on the public record. It it started out as a gag. It's actually international consulting and lawn mowing. We had the contingency business baked in.
0: That is really smart because everybody's lawn always grows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just never got the Jacobsons in the garage (laughs) stuff.
0: Well, that's cool. So you guys have been around for quite a long time, it sounds like. So how did you first get involved with using Zojo?
1: Well, we got involved with Zojo when we were redeveloping a product for an energy company that we had been doing business with at that point, what, maybe seven years, eight years? We were actually hosting an energy management application that we had developed in ASP, actually pre.net, and along about 2011, the application needed to be rewritten, and we had been actually reading about Zojo for years, and it was one of those things where we really needed a good project to give it a whirl, So we ended up rewriting their energy management solution into, at that point, I'm not even sure if you guys had released your web app yet, but we built a web application which used PHP for the website of it, and we built both a job service and a rest service using Zojo. So it actually replaced a Microsoft solution, and that was really our first foray into it.
0: Nice. And, And what year did you say that was?
1: We originally built the application in two thousand and four and then rebuilt it in Zojo in two thousand and eleven. Two
0: thousand eleven, okay. Yeah, the, the web product came out in two thousand and ten, I believe. So might have been right around, yeah.
1: around there. Yeah, I don't remember how much traction it had it had, had at that point. It you know, people seemed to still be kinda of going back and forth and we were new to the whole framework and the whole idea of Zojo, so we kinda of said, All right, we'll carve out a piece of this that we're comfortable with doing and go with the technologies that we know for the other piece of it. So we had a background with PHP, so we used that for the web piece of it and decided we'd build the executable pieces in Zojo. And what was fun with that, uh, we did have a background. We'd started years ago in a startup company using cross-platform tools. And this, I have to say, was the first tool set that we have successfully used crossing platforms. We were literally building things on Windows platforms at that point Cross compiling them and then running them as demons in Linux. So this whole application ended up getting hosted on Linux VMs in our offices, and we did all the development on Windows workstations, which was just a nice change.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's quite a development process to go through. Sounds a little tedious to me, but
1: uh... Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll defer to Tom on that one. I I found it kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, It was fun. It was interesting. Um, One
2: portion of the work. That was, uh, that helped a lot was Arthur put together, we had a database inter- interaction layer that he had built in the, uh, VB6 originally and, th- and actually that was still running under VB6. And then it got ported to .NET and then it was ported to .NET and then he implemented it in Zojo. So it's um, similar to I think what Bob Keaney has. He has an interface to work with databases and this is kind of in the same vein as that. Uh, and then that's a component that got wrapped um, and integrated with a rest service that fed information to the PHP front end. And then it was also used to do the uh, reporting aspects of it. Correct. So there were several different pieces that we kind of partitioned off and then implemented those in Zojo real basic at the time. Right. And, uh, what was good is we, as we, we're going up the learning curve. Uh, we got a lot more proficient and we were very impressed with how Zo- um, Zojo, B, you know, was, uh, consistent, uh, and reliable. We didn't have too many problems when we compiled. Only one, oh
1: my, what were we thinking? Uh, <laughs> at that point we needed to generate reports and push them to PDF and some of them were rather involved, which basically was why we ended up with the model of a job service, a rest service and a website. Some of the jobs that were required to run reports took a bit of time. Uh, Probably one of the few areas where we really have struggled with Zojo is with the basic reporting. And we ended up marrying this to a Jasper reports server. So our reporting is actually done in Jasper at the behest of class objects that we developed in Zojo.
0: Right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that more cuz I I'm pretty interested in some of that. Yeah, and well it sounds like just in general your your overall app design of having everything kind of separated like that is is nice to see. That's more of an enterprise style app design that uh, perhaps a lot of our listeners aren't completely familiar with, but uh so you were able to do that using ZoJo and kind of integrate it with a lot of other tools.
1: Absolutely. And your your point on the enterprise aspect of this application is probably one that we'd like to see Zojo get more traction with. I think it, it gets uh, not a bad rap, but I think people view it more sometimes as just a quick tool to do quick things where we've actually been able to use it as an enterprise application. And what married really well with that, in, with the Jasper Reports in particular, is the fact that Jasper Reports is a large-scale reporting tool that crosses platforms, that people cross applications with, so companies can actually use their standard reporting sets with Jasper and Zojo. And the benefits that Zojo really brings to the the table are you get the rapid development and prototyping like you did with early Visual Basic versions like 5.0 and 6.0, but at the same time, because of its extensibility, you can get it to integrate with things like that. So it does dovetail nicely into the organization.
0: I would agree. It, uh, a lot of the blog posts I've been doing lately are trying to show people how you can integrate Zojo into other technologies as well. Well, Why don't you guys take a moment to talk about some of the things you're building uh, at iCal using Zojo? Uh, not, maybe not specifics that you can't get into, but just some of the types of projects you use that are probably you know pushing things to the max, so to speak.
1: Uh, essentially, the customer we had been working with on that energy management project was one of several energy customers we had, and we actually reused that same PHP slash rest service slash job service model to actually develop other applications as well, another one being Perfield uh, Power that needed an HR application. And the same basic principles where we had a web-based PHP interface that Uh, relied on the rest service calls to get and place information back into the system and Again that reporting structure with the job service and Jasper reports do any types of reporting So we're able to extend that and basically reuse the underlying technology with other applications and then with the customer that originally had the uh, Energy management solution we went on and did other things and again this ties in with the concept of enterprise it may not the Zojo stuff that we've implemented has not always been the centerpiece application, but for example, we have a tool set that we've developed called Steps, which we've used very successfully with, of all things, SAP. We have a couple of clients, an energy customer in particular, who get digital formatted invoices, but they're not in any type of format that will import directly into something like SAP. Well, we ended up building, again, at this one, we had since gone on the, the web applications of Zojo had sort of gotten more matured and grown up more where so we were comfortable working with them, or we had grown up and were more mature working with them. And we actually built a web app that, again, interacts with a job service to manage these imports in and out of SAP. And we actually had some, this never quite got there, but we'd also had some traction where they wanted to use an interface between the SAP HR system and ADP. So we actually had it going in both directions at one point where we were importing and exporting information. So where I keep trying to say enterprise, it made it, Zojo has not necessarily become the focal point, but we're hired often as a company to do, you know, hear the term ETL or bridging applications. We do a lot of bridging applications where we connect systems and it gets rid of things like the proverbial spreadsheet hell where people are doing things manually and pushing them and pushing them or having to create CSV files. We've had an excellent success rate using Zojo as that middle tool.
0: Yeah, definitely. I could see how that would work well. And particularly with SAP, it always surprises me how pervasive that tool is yet, you know, no one you ever talk to says they like it.
1: (laughs) 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 I think it kind of falls into the bucket of Oracle with their, Toolset, they have some, they do have good tools. I'm not going to diss completely on their tools, but they've done such a superb job of selling their product that it's sort of become the thing that executives recognize. So when they hear Oracle Financials, it's sort of like the old days when if you, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM. Oracle Financials and SAP, I think, have become the modern big dogs in terms of that. And they just don't do everything. You need things to hook them together. They need hookups.
0: Yeah. Well, you hear about that all the time. You know, some company will pay, you know, a boatload of money to get SAP, you know, installed, you know, as far as licensing or whatnot, but that's a drop in the bucket compared to the consulting they pay out to get SAP modified to actually run the way their business needs to work.
1: Absolutely. And then what we keep finding, and it it just seems to be, I mean, this is going back 20 years, no matter how good of a system anybody builds and if this is not dissing on Oracle or SAP or anybody else, but no matter how good of a system you build, it never quite fits a company's specific needs. And they end up with these little areas where Sally fills out a spreadsheet and moves it to Bob, who adds this to it, and they they lose sight of oftentimes their reference information. They In, in one particular case I'm thinking of, they had a spreadsheet, I'm sure you remember this one, Tom, where we had to pull in phone bills. Yep. And they they weren't didn't have the ability anywhere in their referential data to keep the linkage between cell phone numbers and organizations. So when they went to allocate the expenses, they were doing it by hand. Well, we built an app that married that stuff, and it just it's a it gets rid of this in between land that kind of gets glossed over after they've spent the thirty two million dollars on SAP.
0: Right. Well, and you know, and you're talking about this, and, and for our listeners' benefit, you know, these aren't you know. And user applications you're going to find on an app store or anything like that. These are, these are applications that are used by the business that are kind of, you know, they're not often seen by a lot of people, but they're usually very critical and very important.
2: Yeah, yeah. another, another good example of this would be one that we developed. This was before we started uh, getting involved with Zojo. Uh, we uh, co- um, worked cooperatively with staff at a very large title insurance company. And work with them to totally overhaul their back-end operations for their agents. So they had thousands of agents uh, in the Northeast primarily, but then this was actually rolled up and, and rolled out nationally. And we, some, some of the same approaches that we've used with Zojo were used in that environment. So there was a database uh, service piece, there was a piece that dealt with imaging that would allow them to retrieve images and um, basically look and stick them together and turn them into PDFs or other formats. And also a lot of dynamic forms generation. So they could either take, you know, they, they could fill in fields on a form and then marry that information with specific information that was already stored for the customer or for the agent. And then it would dynamically generate uh, documents using templates. So that whole system had been implemented using a different set of components, but that's something that could easily be ported and implemented at Zojo, especially with the, again, hooking with the Jasper reports for the dynamic
1: right. uh, template. And, and to your point, Paul, what it, what it does do is, you know, and this is something as a company that we just probably the only reason we're still in business, we like being a small company because we actually get to work with our customers. People kind of question that, you know, why haven't you turned it into? Because we don't want to manage 50 people. We actually like working with people. We like what we do. And what we do, and the reason we still succeed, is we get right into that business process. You're absolutely correct. These are not applets that go out on people's iPhones or the latest, you know, Angry Birds toy that somebody's put on Android or iPhones. It's basically getting into the business process and helping customers to standardize their process. There's nothing wrong with spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. I use them all the time. I even generate code with spreadsheets. But when you have a recurring business process, you, you oftentimes need that middle connective, if you will, that gets rid of spreadsheets and people doing things randomly from memory. And this has just been a great platform for developing that stuff. It, you know, it doesn't mean it's not capable of doing full scale systems, but you don't have with what we do. We've got to connect a lot of these systems and it just dovetails to that immeasurably well and becomes part of the business process. So to your point, it's not a an outsider. It's right in that business process. And most people don't see it. All they know is they go to their website that happens to be a Zojo web app or other. They don't They don't know the difference or they're running a program. They don't really know even what it was written in. And it helps them to run their business, which is really what we love about it.
0: Right, yeah, you're helping people run their business using software. And, th- and that's important for people to see. I mean, because, you know, if you if you don't pay a detailed attention to this stuff, all you about hear about are, you know, iPhone apps or, you know, other apps or video games or something. But it, probably most software that people make is this type of enterprise software.
1: You're you're absolutely right. And it's it's also a, you know, if you're looking at it, even from our perspective as a business, I mean, we all want to hit the home run that's the multi-million dollar pet rock and you know for every pet rock or angry birds there's 20,000 other developers out there that have some piece of junk that they tried to sell that went nowhere because it just wasn't cool this is a you can pay your bills you can make money at this you can help businesses succeed at this I mean I I don't I don't know if we should repeat the customer's name because you know you're always getting nervous about we don't want to reveal but that title insurer that Tom is referring to literally made billions on the process that we helped create. It got rid of a manual process of photocopying and FedExing paper or faxing things and it basically set up a whole new industry model for self-service for title agents. So they basically then went into a website and bang out that stuff went. Now that one predated our knowledge of Zojo, but Tom is absolutely correct. We've used those same principles again on other projects. And that that is exactly a wonderful space to be in for a tool like Zojo because it it becomes part of the the revenue stream in the business. Yeah, one of the other things that uh, we did do as part
2: of that process when we started transitioning and uh, moving um, a significant portion of our development business to Zojo, is we evaluated several other tools that were in that space. And Zojo just had um, enough of a uh, core set of functionality, uh, the option to use add-ins for different things, and a good track record and a solid developer and support community. Those were some of the factors that helped us um, get on board. We evaluated some other tools, and they all ended up falling by the wayside because they just couldn't match all those different they couldn't add Zojo on all those different areas. Um, and also the the solutions that we've been able to build also have the capability to scale up. So like with any tool, if if you uh, if you engineer it poorly, you can have a lot of problems, but if you engineer it correctly and you architect it, then these components can be built to scale up and, and handle large-scale processes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you guys have been using Zojo for... Many years now. How, what would you say are some of the benefits it's given you in creating some of these apps? Because, I mean, you, like you mentioned, you, you did it before using other tools. So what sort of things is Zojo bringing to the table now that's helping you get stuff done more quickly?
1: Well, funny, you asked that because as we were prepping for this, it kind of went through the list. So we sound somewhat like we got to fake it, pretend that we know what we sound like we're talking about. So we did it. We did come up with a list for you, Paul. Uh, number one and foremost, it really does work across platforms. <laughs> we come from we come from the days where lots of people advertised multi-platform and, and not talking about cross-compilers where you're programming an embedded system. I mean write it once and the screens work on all the different platforms. We we had worked with a product previously called JIAC Jam, which it would compile on multiple platforms, but the screens didn't quite translate very well and you ended up basically rewriting it multiple times anyway. So A number one. It will, in fact, really compile and run on Windows, Mac OS X, and Linux. Thank you very much. You guys did that. You actually got it right, and it actually looks right on all three without doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, The second thing that's been probably critical to us, and I don't know how much this matters to all developers. Tom alluded to it a little bit earlier, but we operate with a kit, essentially, as we go from client to client, we have a set of tools that we reuse. Like for example, we've enhanced what Zojo does with dates so that we had some other tools. We we basically subclassed the date class and added our own abilities. That kit, we've been able to, knock on the wood in my head, pretty much been able to use on each of the platforms, both Mac, Windows, Linux, and even web apps without any major changes. Obviously, if we're making a registry call in Windows or we're poking at memory in a Mac, it, it's not going to work the same because we're getting into system-level calls. But our basic kit has successfully worked with no rework other than a couple of if-defs across all those platforms. So, again, brilliant. I mean, that has just been a godsend in terms of our ability to develop different things.
0: Yeah, and that's certainly, I, I hear about that a lot from most consultants, the good ones anyway, always have their own little core set of libraries or kits. I like that, calling them kits like uh, Apple does for their stuff, that, uh, that you can kind of reuse to get projects built more quickly.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we run into this all the time, whether it's, you know, what's the, what's the run of the month in terms of encoding data so you can pass it around? And you'll hear XML one week, you hear JSON the next week. Blah, 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 blah. We started using a construct we call argsters, which are basically name-value pairs. We only started doing that, what, creatively 25 years ago or something? Uh, And it's a very simple protocol, which allows us to use, effectively, your dictionaries, which look like they're just hashes under the covers. And then we have a formatted string that uses qualified characters for name-value pairs. Those little bad boys can get passed around in query calls. They can get saved into text fields and databases. They can go into flat files. They're easy to rip apart. We've now developed them to the level where we can stack them and they're end levels deep, and it doesn't matter. It just passes around. We, we were able to implement all of that stuff and port it from originally... Visual Studio version 6 platform to .NET, and then even easier in Zojo. And and when we went to Zojo, suddenly, I mean, we had dabbled in Mac, but you needed a lot of platform-specific knowledge and Linux to do development. And suddenly those worlds just opened up easily, and all of that kit just went with it. So those types of things, we use the argsters everywhere we go. And as we write programs from web to desktop to services, those tools are already there, so you're absolutely correct. As developers, that's a that's a gold mine, basically, because it saves you a ton of time. But, you know, that's only one thing. I mean, the other thing we're excited about, uh, we've been itching to really get our teeth into the ARM platform, and, pardon me if I use the wrong acronym, Is it was it the LLVM on the compiler? Yeah, LLVM, yep. When you guys started with the new framework, and we have not ported the new framework, because obviously we have to check and port all of our code, but, that move to the ARM platform just opens up a whole other world where we can start now playing with for years we've been building boxes and installing applications on them and we ship the whole box when you guys opened up the ARM platform now suddenly we can ship a cheap box It stops working and we can ship you a new pizza box. We don't have to worry about application conflicts or gee whiz willikers. There's DLLs here from some other application that don't play nice or these libraries don't like those libraries. Have a new box. Here, have a new pizza box. So that that one is really exciting.
0: That one was definitely made possible by, like Tom said, the LLVM compiler that was added with iOS support a little over a year ago and then was uh, added to with the Raspberry Pi support that was added late last year. And uh, that now gives you the ability to create arm apps that uh, can run as desktop apps, as web apps. Uh, So pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna uh, um, amplify that as well. Uh, We had actually talked about this in the uh, developers group when you were here, which we can also cover a little later on. Uh, But uh, another platform that I don't see people talking about as much in the forums, but now is it more available now that uh, Zojo will run on that arm platform, are things like NAS boxes. So we have a few customers that we've set up with Synology NAS boxes. There's QNAP, there's Netgear, there's a whole class of machines out there that are turning up all over the place. Small businesses are using them, uh, people are using them as home servers, and a lot of those are ARM-based. Uh, so now Zojo can extend into that space and also you can leverage uh, the skills that you have with Zojo to develop applications for those appliances as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, NAS boxes is a uh, Network Accessible Storage, if I uh, get that acronym right. There's just too many acronyms to keep track no, of. Correct, correct. And uh, and just for people that aren't familiar, those, you can think of those as essentially really smart uh, hard drives. Hard drives. <laughs>
1: smart hard- network hard
0: drives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, Programmable smart hard drives. They so. They
1: have become a lot more than that, though. They sort of started out as that, but in an effort to be competitive – They've all added their own little utilities that go along with it. So they're providing backup services. They're providing DHCP services. They're putting, you know, VPN or firewall services on top of them. And it, it's, it's an excellent little space for a company that is not huge to suddenly glom onto one of those markets without a lot of development effort. And, again, you've got another channel for marketing products as a moderately sized company without a huge staff. So that, again, that opens up another market. We don't need to learn the C compilers and all the distinct libraries in that place. It's basically Linux. Zojo even hides a lot of that from us, just bang it out. And then you deal with the specifics that you need to with plugins or direct library calls. So can I continue with my list? Are you gentlemen ready?
0: <laughs> We're ready.
1: Okay. Uh, the other thing that, and I don't know how much of this is is captured by a lot of developers. Anybody who's done any significant web development is a very frustrated person. It is one of the most haphazard environments I think I've ever dealt with in terms of its lack of consistencies. And your web application capabilities has really, you guys deal with a lot of that pain so we don't have to. If you go back and you did things with HTML or ColdFusion or you were writing your own Ajax calls, it, there's a lot of things that you had to know about. You know, if you, if you write, We write a lot of JavaScript with uh, HTML5 as well, and you've got to worry about a lot of things with different versions of different browsers, and the web apps have just taken that off the table in terms of being able to focus on application development rather than the specifics of the platform that you're working with. And one thing that I just loved, and it, it tickled me when I started playing with this, you guys had originally put this together using the CGI capabilities, much like Cold Fusion and other folks do. But the best part about it is, and, and I'll touch on it a little bit, is the fact that when you if you build the web app the correct way, it becomes a pure executable. So effectively, your server and your application are embedded as one program, which if you think about it. Not actively, but indirectly makes it a lot harder to hack these things. So you hear about anybody who there's Apache server, their IIS server has been compromised. You can't compromise what you can't get to. It's a binary that embeds the program with the application, which is, I don't, I don't know how much developers think about that, but having had to deal with messes like that, Tom and I both went, ooh, we like this.
0: Yeah, that's that's a nice little uh, side feature that people often, you're right, don't think about. And another benefit is it 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 also hides your code. I mean, it JavaScript code you don't really hide. It's you know anyone can grab it. Uh, same with the HTML that's being used to connect all that together.
1: Absolutely, and it just it you know I, I don't know how much people take things apart. In case you haven't figured out, we're we're one of the reasons we're not multi billionaires and on you know on every magazine covers. We, we can't help but take everything apart, and play with things. And it's terribly clever what it does once you build one of these applications. If you look at it, and you can back me up or deny me, but it looks like it becomes pure Ajax, and there's just a stub page, basically, and it's pure Ajax calls back. So there's really nothing for anybody to see. They can't really get that stream and see what the program is actually doing because there's nothing to look at.
0: Right. Yeah. It's all running on the server and you have no exposure to that. I mean, essentially the only part that's on a browser is like you said, there's a small Zojo JavaScript framework that runs on the browser side. That's main purpose in life is for communication with the actual app that's running on the web. Right.
2: Server. I was going to say it does uh, require a different, um, a little bit of a different mindset though uh, when you're working with uh Zojo web app in terms of figuring out where to place the code, you know, you know, the logic that goes into the session objects, Versus the other pieces of the code, Um, so there there is a little bit of a uh, a different approach to it, Um, but it still has a lot of the same. It brings a lot of the same benefits that the Core ZOJO does.
0: Yeah, you do have to think about things a little more differently because essentially you've got a user interface. It's almost like you've you've got a remote user interface, so, so to speak, and so you have to think about that that the code that's running is talking to a user interface that could be very far away and it could be
1: Except there. when it isn't and it's actually being interpreted in the browser. And as a programmer, you need to be smart enough to figure out, would this be running in the browser or would it be running on the server? Hmm. It, it is It is a different mindset, as Tom said. But What too, what it does do, though, with Zojo's web apps in particular, uh, again, you do something with Cold Fusion or ASP.NET or even PHP, and it's basically like the old 3270 terminals where or doing things in COBOL where you accept and display. So you, you basically do a, a screen push back, and you get a screen back. Because of the fact that it's doing the AJAX, things are happening dynamically on the screen. So you, you actually get an application feel to it rather than a web page feel to it, which is, it's a nice benefit within a certain segment of development. Again, you're trying to build an application for a customer that is remotely driven rather than I I probably wouldn't try to build Amazon.com with it. But if you're trying to get a highly business specific application feel, it just does a brilliant job with it. It really does a nice job with that piece of it. But anyway, what else do I have here? Oh, yeah, this one was a biggie for us. Anybody who has spent any time doing installation kits, especially for a full release of software, it, it was getting to the point a few years ago where we were spending as much time for our installation kits as we were almost for the application itself. We would ended up building these draconian installation kits that required all kinds of registry entries on Windows, or you'd have to put something in the Mac environment to get things in the launch services. What we've been able to do with this, because so many things within Zojo point to libraries that are just under the executable, our installation kits, the way the framework works, our installation kits have become incredibly simple by comparison. We're not writing a ton of registry entries. We're literally relying on XML-based configuration files when we need to. We wrote an encoding mechanism so they're secured. But we don't have to get into all that muck, so the installation can literally be copy the thing into a folder on the system and run it. Uh, that has just been incredible. We, we actually went from paying a lot of money for install tools to using Nullsoft scriptable install system, which is an open source for Windows, and then a simple disk image on the Mac. Huge benefit as a developer. A lot less time on QA and testing. Uh, just I can't say enough good about that.
0: Ah, so you're using that's the the Nsis the Nullsoft installer. I haven't used that one in years. I forgot about that one.
1: Yeah, still and, alive. <laughs> and we we had got, got who were the other ones that we used? We used uh, the Wise installer, and who was the other big one? Install, Install Shield. Install Shield, which you can spend thousands of dollars on enterprise versions of Install Shield, and oh, it is yeah. not a bad product. It's just that the installation process, even doing MSIs in Pure .Net. It was just becoming a very complicated process just to install a website. And this has just been great. You know, you could literally drag it across the network, drop it in a folder, build a shortcut, and you're good to go. The The installation kit is really a nicety for people that, you know, we, we could add some testing to it. But even the other part of it, with the .NET stuff, it, you had to sort of, you had to make sure that the framework was set up correctly and everything came over with it. So you'd end up with installs for your install. We've even done things with this where we'll write a little Zojo program that's sort of a pre-install program. And again, because you don't need to register, you don't need to run at regsvr 32 to register DLLs or anything else, you can literally drop the pre-setup program to do things as part of your setup and then drop the main program down.
2: Much easier.
1: A lot of flexibility. Yeah. And it just, we're, you know, we're clever enough that we can figure out how to do all these things. But there's a there's a world of complexities as you go on to different systems and people have put different things on them. By minimizing the number of touch points and the number of registry entries and shared objects, we just have less things to look at. You don't have anywhere near as much QA and testing. Again, for a medium and small-sized company, you can do big things that you just can't do with some other tools.
0: Well, I always my catchphrase for people that are looking to try out Zojo for the first time is I always tell them that they can download Zojo, install it, and probably throw together their first app before something like Visual Studio finishes installing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you might be right on that. I mean, we, we have done interesting things with Visual Studio, so I'm not going to totally diss them, but they the, the advantageous things here have really been, you know, we write the same code. We've, we've had things where we had a program that we wrote to run as a Windows service and a Linux daemon again out of the same code base. Uh, very few changes, a couple of if defs basically on the compile and the libraries took care of it and we didn't need to worry about the libraries in the platform because they end up sitting in the folder below the executable. It just, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, can't say enough good about that and then Finally, the one that and I don't know how I don't know how much most programmers play with this, but when you when you look at the Zojo projects, you've got a few options in terms of storing the the source code of the project. And one of them is basically being able to get an XML version of that code. Uh, When you hand that over to people like us, it's sort of like handing the kids new toys in the sandbox. Uh, Tom alluded to something that we that we built. We have a database code generator where we build objects for tables and record sets so that we take a layer of abstraction out of our calls to the databases so that as we're running the programs, our inserts, our deletes, our updates and our listings happen outside our main code base. We, we, We encapsulate that in objects so we can go from one database structure to another. We could compile compile one set of data objects that would give us access to Oracle versus MySQL versus SQL Server versus SQLite, or even a non-SQL database, and all that gets buried. So we wrote a code generator that builds those things for us, and as we decide to port a program to a different underlying DBMS or file structure, it happens automatically. One of the things that made that really possible was the ability to build code in Zojo, and then we took that XML, copied it into text editors, and basically put in keys that we could replace. So we have templates that template out the basic database handling objects for both tables and record sets, and then we have replacement pieces that we replace tags in there with platform-specific stuff, be it Oracle or Postgres or MySQL or SQL Server. So it is is—it is sort of one of those things that nobody really talks about much, I don't think. But being able to get at that code and play with the actual textual source code really has been a neat thing. You don't get that in a lot of other platforms.
0: Yeah, I've uh, got a few people that uh, tweak it. I think I may have done that at one point too with some other tool. But it's always handy to, you know, I have a book here that's on the bookshelf behind me. It's called The Pragmatic Programmer. And it has lots of topics in them. And one of them is, uh using your tool to manipulate your tool kind of thing
1: right (laughs) i'm not going anywhere with that one though paul (laughs)
0: but uh but it's it's not an uncommon technique and it can lead to some serious time savings and certainly the the big thing you're talking about though is the the orm the object relational mapping between classes and a database table and and that is just awesome uh there's a there's some open source projects bob keeney has a a project does that you guys have one you use, I've noticed a lot of people tend to build something like that when they're working with databases, because I think everyone gets sick of talking directly into the database.
1: Well, yeah, where it really becomes, uh, I, and again, I don't know how much other folks have gone into this. We, we, you know, we, we sort of, it's interesting you raise the point of what other people have out there in open source. One of the challenges with this stuff is, you know, we build things as we need them and we don't always document them as best as we should so that other people could make good use of them because we're busy going on and trying to use them to make our next mortgage payments and building our next projects out. Uh, but one of the interesting parts about what we did with it, and I don't know how other people or how effective they've been with it, uh, the interesting part is it isn't – because SQL has been such a good standard, it's not hard to get these classes to talk to different databases. What gets interesting is – how to query the native database's tools to get the structural information on the tables themselves, to actually find out what's there.
0: Right, yeah, that's different on every database. It's
1: different on every database. And the fun part about what we did was we figured out a way, basically, to tap that on all the databases that we work with. So we can literally query the DBMS to tell us what do you have for tables, what are the fields in those tables, and what should we do with them.
0: Right, so it doesn't matter which database you choose to use or you're forced to use. You just run your little thing against it, and you, it'll spit out some correct. Zojo code the other part
1: code. that we've played with, and we haven't had a lot of need for it, but is kind of fun, is because you're, we're using an object model. On, uh, and we've done this with a couple of different things. Actually, our our job services, and I don't know if we'll have time on this call, but our job services are another interesting model in terms of the way we subclass things. With the with the database model like that, because they're all subclasses, what you can literally do is essentially have the same program point to multiple data sources and different types of data sources. And because they're a subclass of those base classes of database, table, and record set in our model, we can basically change what we're talking to dynamically because you do it as the superclass, you instantiate it as a superclass, and then effectively cast it by using the subclass version of it. So we can switch databases, not only at pre-compile, but in a running program. Hmm. I don't know how many people have done that, but that was kind of the the part where we started playing with this and went, huh, kind of like this idea. We can not only switch databases, but we don't have to have a database-specific version of this and all kinds of funky code. We can shift it dynamically by using the subclassing.
0: Interesting. I don't think I've pondered that myself.
1: It wasn't a pondering. It was, oh my, somebody wants to do this. How are we going to do it? Well, they ended up not doing it, but at the time we had to figure it out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's the worst. All right. Well, it sounds like you've gotten some uh, pretty good benefits out of Zojo, but not every tool is going to be perfect for you. So obviously there's been some tricky things. There's some stuff you've uh, hit with Zojo that have, uh, you've had to figure out some way to deal with, what, what would you describe uh, would be some of the more challenging things you've had to work with with Zojo? Uh,
2: well, one of them that we touched on earlier uh, was the uh, native reporting tools. Um, so we had some very specific, uh, since our first project where we were using Zojo was a migration and a rewrite of some, an existing piece of functionality, um, we kind of had some very specific tools for how those reports should be formatted and uh, Put together more or less and when we that was kind of the one uh, aspect of using uh, at that point real basic that we were kind of stuck on we, we looked at what was there for native tools for that and we said well I don't think this is going to work so I you know put my Google skills to the <laughs> to the test and came across Jasper and that just seemed like a, a very good um, uh, tool set to work cooperatively with uh, real basic and now Zojo uh Jasper has its own ecosystem. They have similar to way, the way MySQL works, they have an uh a uh, freeware version with uh basically you know you're you're doing your standard you know Google and stuff and you know looking at their support forums and then they have a higher level paid version and it has its own report designer that you can go into you know build those templates. So Jasper reports really ended up you know filling that niche for us. And, uh, we've continued to work it. And as Arthur said, um, actually built a, uh, Zojo object to interface with, um, Jasper reports to be able to send those requests and get the, uh, report objects back. Um, so that was one thing. Um, there are, there are several solutions out there. As I said, uh, Jasper ended up being the best fit for us. Um, so that was one of the things that we did find challenging. And I think we've got a good way to move forward on that.
0: And you said that Jasper reports are kind of like, uh, job-based where you send a request off and then you get back a report at a later time?
1: Well, there are, there are a couple aspects that Jasper reports, uh, if I recall correctly, is developed in Java. Uh, the way that we've got to be careful how we parse this and how we say this because I don't want to misrepresent it. Jasper reporting as an engine can be included in other things. So you can literally run the Java based reporting engine in something else The way we are using it, it's actually running with an Apache Tomcat server and it basically handles request response. So you feed a collection of requests. It takes an XML-based document or report and generates the output nicely in PDF. Or Excel. Or Excel, or text, or CSV, or or there's about five or six different formats. The not-so-nice part of it is the way it sometimes returns it. We ended up spending a bit of time basically going back and hitting the books from back in school, whether we were dealing with big Indian or little Indian based on the encoding scheme. Uh, so it, there was a little bit of a challenge in that regard in terms of getting a class object to work with it, but the way we are using it, they have a community-based server and a, a supported commercial server that generates these reports. So you pass a request and it sends something back. The nice part about it was we were able to encapsulate that in classes and basically get the results and then write the PDF via stream, to a file. So in the way we are using it, yes, it is exactly as you were saying, but that is not how one has to do it. I, I don't know that. that I would want to try to write a Zojo program that was sucking in, a Java server to generate it right there. I kind of like the way we're doing it a little better.
0: Well, the way you're doing it sounds a lot more flexible. I mean, you could have different apps hitting it as well.
1: Absolutely. And that, you know, again, tying it back to that enterprise discussion, if you're a company that wants to have enterprise-based reports, should you choose something like Jasper, you then have the ability to have different applications whacking at those same reports, so, you know, it started out as a challenge of working. I mean, we literally were staining our shorts, I think, because we'd already signed up to do this project, and we were going, oh, my, I have no idea how we're going to generate these reports. It didn't happen. In. We couldn't get Crystal to do what we wanted with it. We, we could not get active reports to do with what we wanted with it. The native stuff didn't do what we wanted. And then we found this. Thank you, Tom, you're the son of two librarians. Thankfully, you could find anything. Uh, it, it it just really worked out. So the, the challenge turned into a strength after a while. But it it, it involved some nervous days. Uh, yeah, the other interesting aspect of that that
2: you know would uh, encourage other Zojo developers to think about is when we first started uh, putting that piece together to interact with the Jasper server. We actually just shelled out and used a PHP call to do the call to the Jasper server, and then later replaced that functionality by Arthur writing the uh, object to interact directly with the Jasper server. So that's one thing that we found in a few different uh, situations where um, Zojo didn't necessarily have all the pieces built in and there wasn't an add on to do it, but by using calls to other tools, like there's another situation where we use the Python tool to do some translation. And then you could go back later and, and, uh, you know, if you have a successful project, you can go back and, and uh, basically carve that piece of functionality out and then implement it in Zojo and replace it.
1: Well, what that does do is it does bring up one thing for me with uh, well two things, a positive and a warning, if you will, for developers. Uh, again, just to play on the fact that we've been able to get things to run on different environments and in different settings those Jasper class objects were originally running as part of a job service because the original reports were kind of involved. They were doing a lot of summation and formatting over multiple months of data for over 200 power plants. So there was a lot of data crunching to get there. We had done some denormalization on the tables, but it still had a lot of number crunching to do to get the reports produced. So they, were, they could take longer because they were running in background. We've since used the same reporting tools in a Zojo web app directly as well as executables. And that's the good part. The challenging part is for those of you who do not want to learn about threads, give up all hope. The minute you get into developing desktop applications with Zojo, when you get to any level of complexity of processing, you are going to learn about threads and you are going to like it. That is, you know, that is a, an onus on the developer. It is a, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I just personally didn't like threads and I didn't want to have to do that. And, and manby pamby and I got over it and you will be doing threads.
0: <laughs> the, the thread webinar that I did at this point is maybe a couple of years ago is one of the top viewed webinars on the webinar page. So it definitely something. Yeah.
1: they are a horrible necessity, unfortunately. <laughs> and that, you know, that is, that is not technically a Zojo Problem. It's a that's a function. When you start crossing platforms, you cannot rely on these simple native tools available to manage resources. You have no choice but to rely on threads. So get over it, Arthur. Get on with life. Uh, some other challenges, and again, a lot of these are not Zojo specific. Some of it's a matter of you're you're constantly trading off between something that handles multiple platforms and the, the, the expediency you get out of being able to develop in multiple spaces at the same time versus going into a native platform. We 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 struggled a lot with the retina display on the Mac. Uh, some of that I don't think is just Zojo. I think people are struggling with the retina display on the Mac everywhere based on some of the searching around we did. Uh, just when images get transformed and when you have to double image sizes and the fact that Users don't understand that if you take double the image size and crunch it down to a smaller image on a retina display when you crunch it down to a web image it's still going to be a crappy resolution like you know they don't get that. Uh, some of that is a challenge just because of the platform. Uh, the other one that we bumped into were mutexes which on OS X and Linux I, 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 don't, I don't know if you're I should, was going to say your viewers I guess your listeners would be a better term. I don't know if they're familiar with mutexes, but they're, they're a nice way basically of providing locks within a a multi-process operating system slash program. And what happens is Windows handles mutexes very differently than OSX and Linux. So again, we ended up subclassing the native Zojo mutex and we made our own mutex to solve the problem. But again, I don't know that we can really fault that other than, and again, this is another trade off, could Zojo have documented that better? Probably. But I'd rather have you guys get more functionality out and you figure it out. So, you know, that that's a trade-off.
0: Right. Yeah, there's there's oftentimes subtle little platform differences that uh, aren't always noticed and uh, can bite you in the butt when you yeah. least want them to. The, going back to your retina uh, comment... Uh, I'm hopeful the, the grand amount of time we've spent attempting to come up with some designs to simplify this greatly will be showing up in a soon next version of Zojo, which might help make yours and other lives easier when dealing with this.
1: Uh, I, excellent! I, that's excellent news. Some of it is, you know, again, I don't put that on Zojo. Some of that I think we have to put on Apple because I'm not sure that they were necessarily particularly articulate.
0: No, no, they, yeah. they definitely were not articulate about it. And of course you add in the fact that you know there there's although it's not called retina, I mean you do have the same sort of issue when you're on Windows, and and those two systems are not, you know, really they're not similar. No,
1: I, I think the only thing that's that has saved the Windows environment in that regard, for in our business in particular, is uh and I, I guess this 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 attests to how we use Zojo. And whether or not I would go back to C or C++ to write something versus OJO, in business applications, which is mostly what business businesses use Windows because they know it, it's cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. We're not getting down to worrying about how finely detailed pictures are. You know, can they read the numbers? Are they able to make the adjusting entries? Do things tie out? Bang, they're done. They're good. Can you do it cost effectively? Uh, the project we ran into that is actually a a photo blogging application that's due to be released in March and we did with again successfully with one code base write a program that will run on Mac Mac OS X and Windows that typical shifting around of image quality you know we're not normally dealing with professional photographers that are looking to see the crease of the seam on a pair of pants that they photograph you know that, that just doesn't happen in business so to your point I hope you're right but by the same token I think that's just a complex thing to deal with anyway and it, it it's application dependent.
0: Yeah, certainly retina stuff is complex. Hopefully what we've put in place will simplify this for a lot of people. And yeah, oh. de-
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and definitely on Windows it's not nearly as prevalent because I mean you got to buy, you know, one of those fancy displays and like you said, you know, businesses aren't likely to, you know. No, but you badges. know it's sort of like driving
1: a sports car versus a truck. You know, Windows is a truck that you haul firewood in to heat your house. Uh if they're they're driving an exotic sports car with the Mac and they wanna they want to do high end graphics or something, it's a different different culture, different set of tools that people develop on it. So again, yeah, I think you're right, for business it's not gonna matter. Anyway, a couple of other little things we, we hit on one of them already with it with the web apps. And again, a lot of this is putting the onus on the developer to understand we, we touched on it briefly. When you build a web app there are pieces of this that will run on the server and there are pieces of this that will run in a browser. As a programmer, beware. And this is not a fault of Zojo again, other than theoretically, you could do more to document this, but I would rather have you spend more time developing more features than belaboring the point. But they, you really do need to understand what's going to happen in a browser versus on the server. And it will bite you if you don't understand that. When events fire, that you still have to do a post back even if you're doing Ajax and a lot of people don't appreciate what's happening on the client versus the server so you got to keep an eye on that and then the only other thing with the web apps I know we had spoken about this when we got together with you at one point Paul was the web apps are brilliant but and this isn't to say that it wouldn't work but we've never done it yet we don't know how well they'd scale 20 people running these things they're great i don 't know that I'd be ready to turn it over to two thousand at a time without some type of front end to basically farm this out to multiple systems we, we haven't been able to test it I right think-
0: well and, and for any web app that's really kind of the thing that has to happen is you would you fire it up you test you you know you load test it with whatever the maximum is you think, and you see how the performance is and if uh, you need to you've got to put something in front to. You know, spread the load out, so to speak. Uh, The good news is with web apps, I think one of the bigger bottlenecks in the past was the the 32 bit memory limit. That now you can create 64 bit web apps. Yep. Isn't a problem anymore.
2: Absolutely. You would also mention, Paul, that um, some people were looking at combining Zojo with uh, Nginx as a front end to help do some load balancing.
0: Yeah, I've seen some people on the forums say that they've used Nginx as a front end to take the, you know, the initial requests in and then dole that out to different standalone apps that are running, you know, spread out, you know, either on the same server because it's a multiple core and it's set up that way so it can use the cores better or on different servers or whatnot and and just kind of send it out that way. And I personally haven't tried that myself. I haven't played with Nginx yet, but uh in general, from what I understand, Nginx is often used for that sort of thing with all kinds of tools. Uh, so that's why it's particularly well suited for that. Um, but that'd certainly be something to talk about on the forum. Maybe at some point I'll get a chance to actually play around with that and see, but, I mean, without an actual app to load test that's doing specific things, it, I mean, it's not like you can say, oh, well, the, a web app's going to handle you know 150 users. Well, it all depends what your web app's doing. And- <laughs> right. You're, you're,
1: you're, you're absolutely correct. I guess the only thing with it is as a... And, and a lot of this, I mean, I would love to just take six months and go do that with you and see how it works. And we'll do this and we'll do that. In the meantime, we have to continue to generate business. So right, right. We're picking projects where we know we're safe. Uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I mean, that was exactly, without even knowing about Nginx, the first option was, well, you break off another few more VMs and you you, you channel it out and you you do exactly that. We just yeah. can't test to its its proficiency at that. So, again... It may work just fine. Don't know. Sort of yeah, deep.
0: well, and that's exactly the thing. I'm pretty sure there's a couple people on the forums that have posted that they have a large number as in thousands of users running on some Zojo web app of some kind, but I don't know specifics. Much like with you guys, a lot of people that would build apps like that are doing it for specific clients, probably under an NDA, can't really talk about what they built or how they built yep. it. And yep. uh, so that information doesn't always leak out.
1: Whereas, you know, you, you look at something like PHP as a comparison, you say, okay, if Amazon called us tomorrow and wanted us to rewrite them, okay, we know that works because we've seen examples of it. So that right. is, it, it, it's really just an unknown. I hope it really works that well because it's a lot more fun to develop in that space. <laughs>
0: That's for sure. <laughs> uh,
1: and then I just got two other things. And, again, these things are uh, – some of it's recognition more than anything. One of them is that a lot of, you know, I'd like to see Zojo more as a recognized tool. It is a good tool set, but if I go in and say, well, I'm a .NET developer or I'm a C++ expert running on Ubuntu platforms, I can use that as a calling card. This is a great tool set. Not enough people know about it from a business perspective. Whenever you talk to developers about it, they all get it. They go, oh yeah, this is great. I can get this. Businesses need to be more aware and hopefully things like this will make them more aware because they really need to appreciate the value of that tool as a business tool. And that, you know, as a company, I hope Zojo gets more traction in that space to make people aware of the value of this tool set.
0: Yeah, we couldn't possibly agree more with you, Arthur. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants to do that, but it's just a, it would be nice to be able to walk in and say, oh, by the way, I'm not just a .NET programmer. More importantly, I'm a Zojo programmer.
0: Right, yeah, and it's like you said, I mean, when you talk to developers, you know, a fair amount of developers will have already heard of Zojo, and if they haven't, they'll understand it very quickly. Correct. Uh, but when you get to the management level, um, you know, you know, some of those people don't know a lot about a lot of things and will only know a few certain things. like, I only know, I only know this, I only know that. And you bring up anything that's outside their so-called area of expertise and it's just a, you know, closed black box at that point. So it certainly would be great that uh, we're trying to do some stuff to get Zojo more visible in that area. So people will at least have it sitting on their brain when, when they hear it, that won't be a brand new thing for them.
1: Okay. And then the only other thing I guess would be, and this is sort of my wish list, I go back to days of old, I won't say how old, but I used to work with deck systems and deal with CMS systems on there, the code management systems. And Zojo will kinda sorta work with some of the CMS, but there's one thing that the old deck CMS used to do that was really cool. Uh, those of us, again, that like to poke around at things, we know that your compilers actually create objects before they link them because we find the .obj files. So I don't mean objects as in the object-oriented capability but object code before it gets linked to executables. In days of old, we used to be able to share those objects and what gets sometimes frustrating, we have our kits that are shared, we build those kits in their own projects and we have to remember to basically copy and paste that stuff into new projects to keep them current and you can kind of try to do it with XML, but it's it doesn't by using the text based ones, but it doesn't work as nicely as the old objects that you could just point to and then they would be there.
0: Right? Yeah, you're you're definitely thinking of uh, well, source code sharing versus binary sharing, or right? Li- binary library sharing. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, uh, I don't remember if you guys were at the XPC conference last year, but that was that was something that Jeff talked about at the keynote that we are working on is uh, the ability to have uh, libraries that are essentially or almost like plugins really that are created in Zojo itself without you know having to distribute the source code so it would it would kind of give you that they wouldn't be low level objects as you know spit out by the compiler per se they'd be more of
1: pets that-
0: but but that would certainly solve the particular problem they're describing where if you had kits you could package them up in this manner and then more much much more easily reuse them across projects
1: and and that's perfect that that was basically it's the goal of being able to reuse that and not forgetting I have to copy this in uh, so I just happened to use the example that I knew if you guys did it another way, fine by me I'm good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's definitely something we've heard from people for a long time. I myself would find that very useful, and that is something we are we are looking into so I can't wait for that feature myself.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, again, if you reuse your code, you know, they've been preaching to us since we were in diapers, reuse your code, reuse your code. Well, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: Happy to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Co- you know, the, or what is it they say, the, the only bug free code is the code you didn't write. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I guess addressing, you know, addressing the issues of, that we've had in this challenge, is one of the things about Zojo, and Tom alluded to this a little bit, uh, in terms of picking a tool set that we would use, uh, there's lots of interesting tools out there that we found that do cross-compiling, that run on different platforms. There's a lot of interesting open-source initiatives. You know, there there are the purists that would argue with you. Why are you not using the open-source? Blah, 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 blah. One of the things that really... Well, two things that really hold that together and why it's helped to alleviate some of these problems. There's really a good community around Zojo. If you go into the forums, there are a lot of developers that will discuss issues or offer potential solutions or just tell you you're an idiot. Why are you doing that? And sometimes you need to be told, Arthur, you're being an idiot. Why are you doing that? Okay, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, and then the other thing I don't know that anybody thinks about, and I didn't really have in my my quick notes, but I was kind of thinking about it as we were speaking. Uh, so open source code is an awful lot like motherhood and apple pie in some ways. It's a thing we all know and love. But one of the drawbacks sometimes of the open source community is it lacks for a direction on a particular project. You almost have too many chefs in the kitchen. It's good to have a lot of sous chefs, but you still need a head chef basically picking what the meal is going to be. So I think one of the reasons that we, we lean towards a non-open source solution, Zojo, is the fact that there is somebody that is directing the platform. You know, you, it's, it's this balance of keeping enough of it open so we can get insights into what it's doing and understand it, but at the same time, keeping a consistent direction on it. So that, that addresses a lot of the challenges. Yeah, not not that
2: everyone in the community will always agree with that direction or those directions, but
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a few curmudgeons out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, yeah, and that's that's true. It, open source is not the the magical cure all to everything that uh, a lot of uh, people might say. Oh, just you know, open source this or that or something else, and all our problems are solved. And you know that that's not a true statement at all. It's just it's just another way to make software and to distribute it and it can work in certain situations. It can work very badly in other situations. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: So, well, speaking of community stuff, uh, you guys were awesome in December and hosted the first ever New England Zojo Users Group meeting at your offices. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that, why you decided to do that and how it went? Sure,
2: sure. Um, actually, uh, I think it was a follow-up to something that somebody had posted in the Zojo forums. Peter? Um, Peter originally put it in there? Yeah. Somebody had said, you know, hey, you know, we've noticed that some other, uh, communities have sprouted up in different parts of, uh, the U.S., not that limited to the U.S. And they said, you know, would anybody in New England be interested in doing that? And after a little bit of time passed by, um, we decided to kind of take the bull by the horns and say, hey, you know, we'll host it here in our offices and try to get, you know, get something started with the idea that over time we can build on it. And then, you know, if it gets, you know, bigger, we can find somewhere else to hold it. Um, but we had a nice group of people, uh, come from uh, fairly uh, good distances, including yourself. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming all the way down here. Uh, and it was a good way to kind of get things off the ground. So we met some some people who had been using Zojo a lot longer than we were, uh, back to uh, you know version 1.0, <laughs> uh, who had some interesting uh, takes on things and some interesting perspectives and um, learned a lot of... Uh, got got some good insights from you in terms of um, a feel for the product and the community that you can't get just from reading things online. Some of that is you know having somebody you know come meet with you and talk with you face to face and you know be able to say you know here's here's our line of thinking on these things and give you a, a flavor for it kind of that you can't get otherwise. Um, so we're definitely looking to um, host that again. We'll probably try to set something up in either February or March. Uh, hopefully you know, after the worst of uh, the weather goes by and uh, continue to, to um, get some momentum behind that. And, uh, you know, again, it's a way for people to interact with others in the Zojo community or want to learn about the Zojo community. Maybe they're not using Zojo yet, and they want to get the feel for it. Again, Some some of that, you can get better, get a better feel for it by meeting with people and just talking and having a good discourse back and forth rather than, you know, I post a question and then different people give their insights in the forum. That, there's a value for that, and we learned a lot with that. But this is kind of another channel, if you will, to help grow the community.
1: And not to make light of it, I mean, all of what Tom is saying is absolutely true, but I was just glad people would talk. I mean, I'm a nerdy tech, and most other nerdy techs walk into a room and don't talk to anybody. People actually talk. I was just excited about that. Well,
0: yeah, but the, the benefit is if you get to all the nerdy people in the room with other nerds, they'll talk to each other
1: <laughs> absolutely but you know i was just worried we we're all going to sit here like bumps on the log looking at each other i was just happy they talked <laughs> all what right is- we got them here and they actually talk
0: Woo-hoo! this is why you know anyone that's ever been to one of the xdc conferences is always like so excited and can't wait to go again just because you you've got that tight-knit community of like-minded people that you can hang out with for many days in a row talk about stuff that otherwise maybe you're not you don't get a chance to talk about and just in general, I mean, like you said, it can be stuff that isn't always, you know, the best conversation to have in the forum or not even practical to have in a forum. But you can just, you know, sit around with a couple of people at a table at, you know, the bar or the hotel and just chat. And it's it's a fun time. So, and these user group things are great and a lot easier for some people to get to. So,
1: I, I Yeah, I've I ruined a lot of family parties that way. Let me talk about my work. <laughs> You're right. It's good to have a forum. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's good to be there where somebody actually wants to hear you talk about that. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll look to, uh, as I said, we'll look, you know, we will definitely, um, you know, keep you guys in the loop on that, put it in the forums, and we'll get the word out, and we'll try to schedule another one of those events in the near future, and, you know, potentially kind of um, do a presentation, or, you know, if somebody else wants to present something that they've done with Zojo, Uh, It's kind of like a um, conversation starter and a way to spur more innovation around the product.
0: Well, I look forward to that. I will certainly make every effort to try to attend. uh, Thanks. It was a fun time. All right. Well, I think we've probably gone a little longer than I wanted, so we're going to try and wrap up right about here, I think. So I want to certainly thank Arthur and Tom. Thanks, guys, so much for being on Zoja Talk podcast. Thank you for
2: having us. Thanks.
0: And until next time, have a great day, everyone.